listening to a One Pint Stand, a Minnesota craft beer podcast that tells the stories of craft beer in Minnesota and beyond. So kick back and grab a cold one. The show starts now. Hi, my name is Dan Bobian, and I write, produce, and host a One Pint Stand. I'm ecstatic that you're listening. This podcast has been a passion project of mine going back to 2016. And this is uh, the second part of the first episode of 2023. And this episode features part two of my riveting beer conversation with Paige Latham Dodora of Alcohol by Volume. Paige is a wonderful human being. Funny, smart, knows beer backwards and forwards, brilliant writer. Um, and a wonderful friend. So I was happy that we had we had a great time talking at Town Hall, and we we talked for so long that it made sense to cut it into two. And this is a, the second part of our beer chat is where we hyper focus our conversation on Minnesota breweries, uh, particularly ones that opened and closed in 2022. We also talked a little bit about which ones are on the horizon to open in 2023. We spent quite a bit of time talking about Dangerous Man and some of the changes that are afoot there. So, um, a lot of great content. Don't go anywhere. Um, I love sitting down with Paige to talk beer. She has such wonderful convictions and insights when it comes to the beverage and the industry. So let's go out to Town Hall in Minneapolis for the second part of our beer conversation on a one-pint stand. Cheers. And we're back after a little break to refill our glasses and... And empty our bladders. And empty our bladders. That's right. Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, sound effects. (laughs) All right. So I guess the second part of our conversation, I want to kind of hyper-focus on the breweries. Yes. Minnesota breweries. Um, There were several... Several that opened, and mm-hmm. I, I probably don't even have all of them listed, but, you know, the breweries that, that came to mind that I either heard people talking about or yeah. visited myself in 2022 that opened were Nine Mile in Bloomington, yep. uh, Bear Cave in Hopkins, mm-hmm. Heavy Rotation in Brooklyn Park, Metronome in St. Paul, Sunken Ship in Princeton, and Mana Brewing in Shakopee. Yes. And I know there are probably a couple others that opened, but I just, uh, this is not intentionally to slight any of you if you opened up in 2022, but these are, these were just ones that, that I knew about or had, had heard of or been to. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's a lot has changed since 2014, oh 2015, when we had so many opening. I know. And I know that... There is, I, I don't think we're anywhere close to a saturation point, but it's slowed down. The, the, yeah. the breweries opening have, have slowed down. And I, I have a couple of theories on that, but I want to, you know, uh, maybe, maybe you want to take a stab at this. Why do you think um, there aren't, we're, you know, we listed off one, two, three, four, five, six. I, obviously, yeah. there's more than that. But, like, I mean, there have been years when there have been 20, 25. Why right. do you, th- and maybe that's just a perception. Um, do you think that 
that brewery growth is slowing in the state of Minnesota? I think that the growth of large distributing breweries is slowing. I for I've I just finished up ten years of alcohol by volume. So thinking back to what the industry wow. looked like in twenty twelve. And alcohol by volume is a wonderful blog. <laughs> Thank a you. A great place to no, I'm I'm not this is this is the this is whatever uh, higher powers honest <laughs> truth. You are a tremendous writer, and you you tell such great stories, and you do so much wonderful resource uh, research um, on your articles that everything you write is fantastic to read. So if you if you are listening and you're like, I've never heard of alcohol by volume, follow, <laughs> follow, and you will learn. That's very kind. Sorry, I, I interrupted you that you th- time. <laughs> <laughs> if you think back. 10 years ago, I mean, what I was covering in, you know, 2012 through maybe 2016 was brewery openings. And it was a lot of news and it was a lot of little, I was writing a lot of articles very frequently um, about the changes in the industry. And if you look now, uh, I think we're seeing, we saw a lot of growth in um, smaller towns that had, that didn't have breweries before, which I think is great. Uh, but a little bit less maybe in the Twin Cities. And for whatever reason, I remember when Udapils opened. Yeah. And I remember walking in there for the first time and seeing how big the facility was and how big their fermenters were and their bright tanks and the packaging facility. And I remember thinking to myself, just knowing what I knew about the timing and what was going on with alcohol at the time, I remember thinking, this is going to be the last major distribution craft brewery. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean that it seemed like that was the peak, the, the pinnacle of time for pack, for making beer that you primarily intend to package and send out to the public. It seemed like that wave was subsiding. Whereas at that time, it seemed like a lot of smaller breweries and little towns and very kind of just hyper local little tap rooms were continuing to open up. And I think we still see that to some degree. I mean, you listed off a few that have opened. Nine Mile, of your list, I believe, Nine Mile is the largest. Yep. Whereas the few that I've heard about opening in 2023 are going to be, they intend to be very small. Right. So right. I think you're seeing just a different paradigm of what does local mean? What does craft mean? Are you serving your neighbors or are you serving, do you intend to distribute beyond state lines? Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Well, and I think, you know, the only production, the only brewery that's really expanding big time that I know of that's not big already is Dual Citizen. You know, they've got that, they, they're, they've expanded, they have that new production only facility. Right. And, you know, I, that's a, <laughs> that's right. a risky, I don't know. I think, I think right now the, 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 the path of least resistance, if you're a brewery owner, you want to open up a brewery is, is small, right? Small is better. I mean, of the, like you said, I think of the, of the ones listed that open that I, you know, metronome is small. Um, Bear Cave is small. Heavy and they're a brew pub. Super, yeah. Well, right. Yeah. And so they're intending like, on serving most of their beer across the bar. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's still, that's a very viable way at yes. least 
to, to start out to make sure you're getting that cash flow coming in, you know? Think about back when you and I started really getting into beer media, we were hearing a lot about places like Cold Spring, like Third Street, you know, yep. where they had been a big um, production facility for a number of brands. They had their own brand. And when's the last time you heard anything about Third Street? Yeah. I, I, honestly, I, I, they, they used to be pretty popular mm-hmm. and I mean I know they're still around but I right. haven't seen I don't know when the last time I saw a, right. a packaged product or saw, or saw a, a tap line you know right. at a bar so it's like and they were they were a big deal back in the day I think we have to talk about the one brewery that's really going against the trend we're talking about right now and that's dangerous man oh god yeah so in case yes. in case you weren't paying attention uh, you know, at CBC at the Craft Brewers Conference, which was here in Minneapolis this year, yeah. Dangerous Man had a, um, a, I believe it was a sign next to one of the uh, bottling or canning lines yeah. Yeah. that was on the floor for yeah. people to, to view. Um, so it became obvious this spring that Dangerous Man was going to get into packaging, and that means selling their beer um through liquor stores rather than their model that they've used for 10 years up until now, which has been to um, only serve beer out of their tap room and make themselves into a little bit of a Girl Scout cookie situation where you want to go and visit and get what you can. And so they're bucking that trend. And so what I'm saying is not prescriptive. It's not for everyone. But the trend we're seeing is that smaller breweries that are servicing their local community those are the ones that we still see the openings for. Yeah. Whereas you're seeing some people do something totally different. And there's a lot of scuttlebutt around Dangerous Man. What does that mean? Uh, well, so this is great. You know, when I was out in Boston in 2007, I uh, <laughs> spent a few hours aboard Old Ironsides. Oh, I've uh, been there. Docked in yeah. the, you know, the harbor there. I've totally done that. So when we're getting the tour, they said scuttlebutt. That okay. word came from the conversation that sailors were having around the place where they'd get their, like, rum and lime juice oh. mixed up. So the scuttlebutt on a boat is, like, gossip. Like, what's the, what's the, what's the word? What's the wow. scuttlebutt? Wow. Well, I'm glad I asked. Yeah. So, and it's, scuttlebutt's one of my favorite words. Okay. Um, so it's not infection that you pick up from hanging out too much in the produce <laughs> section at Cub Foods. It's like, you know, the, what's, what's the word? What's the gossip? So Got it. I've been watching. There, there's, yeah. People love to speculate wildly. Oh, wildly. When, when they saw that, it's like, whoa. You mean um, when they saw the fact well, that they were going to be packaging or when they packaging, saw the building was for sale? And then I know that, like, you know, they, they're building a, a facility up in um, Maple. Right. And, Maple and, Lake. And the, and the brewery's for sale. Like, there's like, whoa, what's happening? What's going on? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, what's crazy to me is at least here in Minnesota, Dangerous Man really was the first brewery to be like, no, we're just going to, we're just going to brew our beer here and you come get it. We're not, right. We're not, we have no. Intention. No intention yeah. to package. And I was like, Wow. Well, that takes balls because then you have to like really, yeah. You have to your beer has to be really good, and it has to for people to. 
and, and, and it was like in that location, I remember they're right across the street from the church. They had to get that law change where like, because back in, I don't know, was that 2012 or 2013? Mm-hmm. You could not have a brewery within 500 feet of like a school. Or I mean, I think you still thing. have to get a variance of yeah. some kind to be serving um, alcohol. Yeah. And so that, that, was, that was fairly unique. Right. Like most of the places that were opening back then definitely had their sights set on, well, well we're going to be distributing and canning and all that stuff. Um, and I don't know where it stands now. I've heard I've heard a lot of different things yeah. about the you know what's really happening. My my question is that so if you are uh, you know somebody who works at Dangerous Man now and they move up to Maple Lake, mm-hmm. are you? <laughs> It's quite the commute. I think um, that's a fair question. Are, yeah. What's going to happen? And right. think about like the beers, the, the beers, the brand, everything around it. Right. You, you, you're moving from Northeast Minneapolis to an outskirt. What, would you consider Maple Lake a fifth ring suburb, a sixth ring suburb, or is that not a suburb? Is it, <laughs> is it the boonies? I don't know. Um, I don't know. So, but you ha- already have such a loyal following, and there's uh, there's pros and cons to both models. I mean, yeah. what's striking to me is that they were so um, focused and intentional about being taproom only, yeah. and now they want to distribute. And I don't, I think that opens up a whole new set of opportunities for them. Yeah. And they have such a great following that there will be people who who didn't routinely come to Northeast Minneapolis who, not because they didn't want to, but now they have a better opportunity to try their beer. Well, I remember, you know... But Eric, it's this very significant change. Yeah. Like, Eric and Sarah Joe were have been <laughs> vocal about, like, yeah, we never go to Dangerous Man because, like, a couple times they came in, they live in Waconia. Right. They made a special point to come in, and, and this was this was back the first couple of years when Dangerous Man was was around, and when they would turn people away. I mean, they were always at capacity mm. on a weekend, and like, well, we just drove, you know, forty five. I generally minutes. go there during the week, but yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, I just I wonder how that's gonna translate, and and it just I don't know. I mean, to me. When I think of the Northeast craft beer movement, yeah, whatever you want to call it, I think of Dangerous Man. Oh yeah, I think of like that was like the first. I remember going I, there on their soft opening. Yeah, I remember it. They and, had two beers on, and it's like cream ale and chocolate milk stout. I don't want to. I don't want to think about like a Northeast without a Dangerous Man taproom. It's such I know. a wonderful place to go, but yeah. like, I mean, I think. I mean, it will, you can't have, there's another, you know, archaic thing in Minnesota. Right. You can't have two tap rooms right. it's not under like, the same company. Right. A lot so, of other states, you can have multiple locations. Mm-hmm. You know, but I have to imagine from a financial standpoint, I don't even want to speculate what they might be paying per month. On I have insider knowledge, so I'll abstain from answering that question. Okay, is it fi- higher than 15000 Blink once for yes, twice for no. Per month? Yeah. I may or may not be blinking for those of you listening <laughs> at home. Yeah. So, and I can't, I can imagine that the, the, the rent or, or they own the building in Maple Dangerous Lake. Dangerous man? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, in Maple Lake? Yeah. I don't think so. Okay. So, but, so rent is probably going to be. Different than it is maybe in Northeast a, Minneapolis. Maybe a tenth, 
maybe more, maybe less than a tenth. You know, you're you're going to save a lot of money. And so, but I just wonder. But it's an entirely different model. Now you can send kegs to restaurants. Yeah. Now you can have on sale and off sale. Now you can do a lot of things that they couldn't do partially because of space. I mean, where are you going to put a canning line? Have you been in that building? Where are you well, going to put right. a canning line? Also, the structural integrity of that building is iffy. So, I also have insider knowledge yeah, of that. Yeah. <laughs> So it's just, it's just, but crazy. I'm happy for them. I think it's a, it's a new era. And I, I think we all, we all wish them the best. I mean, there's no question that we love dangerous man and what they're doing. And it's going to be a significant shift if, and when that, you know, completely occurs from, yeah. you know, one, one extreme to the other in terms of a model. But so I know it's for sale. Is it, is there a buyer yet that you know of? Not that I know of. Um, I know that there was a lot of interest in the building. Um, and I know that Rob and Sarah want to be really intentional about, you know, who that building goes to and what the future of that intersection is. Yeah. And they're obviously keenly aware, I think we all are, of the development of that neighborhood and wanting to make sure that that building is preserved and that a tenant or a buyer goes in that really appreciates it. And I hope that happens for them. Right. And it's, it's so interesting because they played a, a pretty significant role Huge. in revitalizing Huge. that area. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't be, that wouldn't be what there. it is without them. You know, but now, I mean, you can, you can go there and get your hair cut, get and your hair cut, go get, shop for get some gifts board games, and exactly. get some books, yep. have some fish and chips. Um, so it's just, it's just interesting, yeah. but like as, as, as all things are subject to change, right. you know, you can't, you can't and get It's not like attached. they're moving out tomorrow. Right. You know, they yeah. have, they have a lease and they, they are very intentional people. And I hope that a buyer goes in who really cares about the neighborhood and I don't know, we're all, yeah. we will all see together. If a circuit city goes in, how, what, I'm going to lose I mean, my mind. <laughs> If you thought people were upset <laughs> when they came out with clear Pepsi. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. So, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the big things that, that, that has been yeah. kind of uh, bubbling, fermenting, mm-hmm. if you will, um, mm-hmm. in the local scene. So, of the, of the new breweries that opened up in 2022, uh, which ones have you been to? Um, I've definitely been to Nine Mile. Yeah. And I've been to Mana. Okay. Uh, my spouse has been to Bear Cave, as of many as have many friends of mine. I have not personally. Um, you know, Nine Mile. We have a connection to. We know several folks that work there. They have oh, a little bit a of a dangerous man. Exactly, a little <laughs> bit of a dangerous connection. man incubator kind of yeah. thing happening there. Um, I just ran into Elon when we were oh, yeah. at uh, Northbound. Yes, he was at, yeah, he was formerly Northbound. of Insight, and now um, is or was is a partner in Nine Mile, as I far as I yeah, know. Like consulting, I think. Yes, right on the consulting yep. side. Whereas Mana, to my knowledge, is a total startup. I don't, I don't know. I don't think that they came from another brewery or were, you know, split up, split off by any means. I was there in September um, and really enjoyed a few of their beers and did not enjoy others. It was very hit or miss, okay. uh, which was a bummer. But we were with a group of us, and most of us enjoyed our beer, but it's a little bit of the minefield, which is not enjoyable to me as a consumer. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think it, I mean, it, there's, I think one of the reasons why maybe openings have slowed 
is that they're, the bar for what is acceptable has been raised so sure. much. If you think about the last couple of years with you know, places like Arbiter yeah. opening up, um, Nine Mile opening up, um, really Falling Knife, mm-hmm. they all hit the ground running. You know, I, I liked it when there were a lot more opening, but it was, you talk about, you, refer, you use the analogy of a minefield. There were so many places yeah. where they were like, you know, we, we were suckers for paying for beer. Oh, yeah. Because they were, we were like test they subjects. Were, they had no, no clue what they were doing. Yeah. And so now I feel like that bar is raised and maybe that is probably a reason why people are like, well, you know, if you want to flush six figures down the toilet, right. there's a lot of easier ways that are right. not as stressful. Um, so I think that 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 is probably a reason why, you know, you want to make sure you're, you're not just getting somebody who graduated from a 15 gallon homebrew setup. Right. You want somebody. Not to say that there aren't very talented. No. And, and there are. Tom hey, Berg is one of them. You, you know, mentioned him there's, earlier. Right. Exactly. And I was just going to reference like, there's like a ton of homebrew clubs that have produced some amazing oh, yeah, huge. brewers. Ven, Falling Knife, Lupulin, uh, Spilled Grain Brew House, you could go right. on and on, but now I feel like the the public is way more discerning, and that's a good thing. I agree. People know more about beer, um, yet fat pants <laughs> still <laughs> still uh, thriving. Yeah, there's a few that I are. I mean, uh, this is an exception to every rule. What right. is the saying? Even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, um, if you're going to open now. You want to make sure that you have some industry experience in several areas of your company. Or Um, if you do open now and it's, you get some subpar reception that you have the, um, the right attitude and skills to improve. I mean, I remember there's been a few breweries over the years that have been dramatically improved. I know earlier we were talking about Abel. People have, for whatever reason, people have very mixed feelings about Abel, Mm -hmm. which closed this year, which is sad. Right. And I really, I, for whatever reason, as a very discerning, critical person, you, many of you might agree uh, that I'm critical. I always liked the beer at Abel. I felt like, um, I felt, I felt like it was pretty high quality. But look at other breweries that have really improved or changed their model. So, for oh. example, like Omni, Omni in Maple Grove, when they first opened, I was there with some um, members of my all-female homebrew group, and we were kind of uh, shocked at how bad the beer was when they first opened. Right. And then within a year, they completely turned that around. Yep. I think I nominated them as the best, you know, the most improved brewery about a year after they opened, year, year and a half. Yeah. And now I would happily send anyone there. And their beer is so high quality that it makes you wonder how how um, how that happens to begin with and then how they're able to really right the ship. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you're enjoying a one-pint stand. My aim with this podcast is to really get out the word about what's happening in the Minnesota craft beer scene and beyond. Enjoying craft beer is a passion of mine, and I love chatting about it with other people. Our goal at a one-pint one stand is to help breweries tell their stories. I love to get out and about in Minnesota and beyond to visit breweries, beer bars, and meet other interesting beer people. 
If you are also into those things, you probably want to keep tabs on our show. So go ahead and follow A One Pint Stand on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We would also appreciate if you really like the show and want to take a minute or two to leave us a positive review on iTunes, it will just make it easier for other like-minded beer geeks to find us. If you like reading about craft beer, I recently started my own blog and all my writing, along with all the podcasts, can be found at aonepintstand.com. After writing for eight years as editor-in-chief at Beerploma, it was time for me to start my own blog. And I've been really happy with the uh, way that that has been embraced online. Um, I love that people are finding us. Uh, And so make sure you check out the blog for more interesting craft beer content of the written variety, as well as all my podcasts. I continue to put up all the back episodes of of the... uh, a one pint stand through the years, so it's it's nice to see that people are finding and revisiting those. I truly appreciate you listening and taking time to enjoy our stories. Now let's get back to Paige. Cheers, Eric Wentling, who um, it's a very decorated home brewer. Very decorated home brewer. Um, he's a wonderful. He he knows so much about mm-hmm. different beer. He's he's traveled. Yes. Um, you know, he he used to have a rule. He wouldn't visit a place until they'd been open six months. I understand that. You know, but then um, how can they? Okay, I won't interrupt. I will interrupt. I've interrupted <laughs> no, already. Yeah, interrupt. That's the fine. counterpoint is yeah. how can you be charging people for beer for those six months then? Well, and I think that's like the evolution of a, of a of a a beer market in a in a place. And I I don't think I think right now like. Beer, breweries don't have that grace period do anymore. Do you want to go to a brand new brewery and think to yourself, this is a total crapshoot? Or do you like to wait till you hear what some people have to say? Oh, I mean, I, I'll, be, I'll be completely honest. I, I, because of, you know, all the, all the great options there are now, right. I mean, I, I used to be like, I mean, I went up, I went up to Gulldam Brewing aye, aye, aye. in 2014, Oof. their opening weekend, because I was just starting out. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta get to all the breweries. Yeah, um, yeah their beer was not good. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, there were there, so like I've I've been the person that has gone, and now I'm like, well, until I hear a couple people say that this is worth the trip, yeah. especially if it's out state, like if it's an hour away. I, I need to I need to have at least three people chime in and say this is worth a visit. That's so, what I've been hearing about things like what Pantown is one that Pantown I've been is wonderful. The, they're just St. Cloud. I don't want to make it sound like it's yep. super far away. Yeah. Um, but there's been a handful of I would say, outstate breweries that are getting just rave reviews that yeah, I have not been to. Pantown is awesome. Yeah. You know, it's if you're. <laughs> I, I I really like I really like the the folks up there. I did a when I. I think it was one of the one of my best of my my favorite breweries of the year. Uh, the brewer Nick got after me on social media. Is like, why isn't Pantone on there? Oh, like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. well, I, I haven't been there, so that's that's the reason. And I went up there and talked to him and uh, Marty, one of the one of the owners, and it was just a great experience. And it's like I'm so glad you did that. I, right. Several years. Well, I love well, an invite. I love you know, an invite. Yeah, and that's great. And if you invite me, I'll show up. Yeah. Um, but I'll also, I'll also be honest, you know, like, and, you know, the, and, and I, I've heard, I mean, I haven't, I work in Hopkins. Right. 
I have not been to Bear Cave yet because what I have heard, right? Um, several things I've heard. It's like, such a mixed bag. The food is really good. The yes, beer is I've just heard. so so. I've heard it's really clunky. The pour yeah. your own is really clunky, and I, like, I think pour your own. I think that's a topic. I mean, thinking about going forward, there are a lot of beer bars that are pour your own. This is the first yeah. that I know of brewery that's a pour your own. But there's a lot of uh, well, the lab had very that nerdy. Option. That's true. Yeah. You're absolutely right. The lab did, and they closed this year. To the public. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pour your own thing takes a lot of forethought in terms of a bunch of dopes that have never poured a beer before yeah. walking into your bar, for better or for worse. Really excited about pouring their own beer, but scientifically speaking, it doesn't always go well. You know, I, I've had that problem. I've, yeah. I, you know, I've walked into a pour your own place and it's like you get all foam or you, you know, you can't rinse your glass or what glass to pick. And it's kind of a, that's, that's a tricky one. Yeah, and I, I'm like, okay, is What that, do you think about Pour Your Own? I think, I'm like, it was cool, like, five years ago. Okay. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't get the novelty. I mean, it's like the, you know, the Seinfeld episode where Kramer invents the make restaurant where you make your own pizza pie. Oh, yeah. Like, the whole reason I'm going out is so somebody else can do the... Totally agree. You know, like, I, let the professionals handle it. You don't need some hunyuk from, you know... I don't know, whatever weird suburb you want to say, for the first time, making a huge mess in public right. of, of beer Right. And does that beer everywhere. really get to fulfill its destiny when somebody doesn't know how to pour it into well, a glass? Right. And then it's like, also, like, you're paying for the experience. And it's like, I don't know if I need, that's not an experience I need to pay for. Right. So what I've heard, the feedback that I've gathered, and I haven't been there, so, you know, take it well, with a grain of salt, is that, you know... The food is awesome. Yes. The beer is fine. Yes. I tried some of the beers at ABR, and they were okay. I didn't know they were at ABR. They weren't bad. Did you have to pour your own at ABR? (laughs) (laughs) They're like, sir, you come back here. We're going to take five. (laughs) No. uh, Oddly enough, they were pouring their beers at ABR. Fantastic. Um, One, so... So that's, yeah, Bear Cave. Nine Mile was great. I've been there a couple times. Yes. Um, I think, beer is very good. I think it was interesting that, you know, Bloomington, they had to change a law. I for know. Brewery to, to be able to happen. So that was I think pretty there's recent. another one in the works. Well, a, like four or five years ago, this some woman emailed me out of the blue and, and then ended up calling me. She was kind of like an advisor, I guess, to the Bloomington City Council. She had okay. some insider track. And she wanted to talk to me about how how to introduce legislation to allow breweries. And, and then she started talking about kind of a lot of associated laws about how Bloomington doesn't allow food trucks. And it's like, oh. well, those two things might not be coincidental. You know, if you want... If you want breweries to succeed, you might have to change some of the other laws, too, about things like food trucks and about making it. Bloomington is the biggest suburb in the whole state. I mean, Bloomington right. is like it's the like, I think third biggest city. thousand people there. Right. Yeah. It's like bigger than, I can't remember, either Duluth or Rochester. Bloomington is bigger by population. I think it's the third third or fourth biggest city yeah, in the state. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, think about it. It goes all the way from the Mall of America and the airport all the way west, you know, all the way to Eden Prairie. And for them to not have any breweries allowed, I mean, that's like, it's a huge geography to not allow breweries. Well, and, and now you expect a lot out of Nine Mile, right? That The people who are going there are going to expect a lot because this is their first shot at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, I mean, if they, they got a brewer with a lot of, Wonderful right. industry experience. Right, Their John Lundgang. Brewer right. has wonderful industry experience. So, 
the the bar was set high, but it did not disappoint. I I, you know, I agree. The, I think I've been there three times since they've opened, and each time I've really enjoyed what I've had. Um, another brewery I want to give a well, there's a couple of breweries I want to give a shout out to, but like Heavy Rotation in Brooklyn. Park, I gotta get there. They their beers are I've heard are only good really things. really good. Yeah, really good. Um, diverse. Um, one of the things that that I think one Nicole Hoops. So we're at Town Hall. Um, Nicole Hoops has a connection to Town Hall. Um, <laughs> and she said, one of the things I threw out on social media is like, what do you want to talk about? What are you hoping for in the new year? And right. Nicole said, more classic styles. Well, Heavy Rotation Amen. has a wonderful Amen. variety. When yeah. I was there, and that's the thing, there it's a very small brew house. So they're well, but isn't that part? Isn't the name based? Yep, on the yeah, fact it's going to be a heavy have, rotation yeah. okay. of different things. And so, like, I think when I was there, was at the end of August. Yeah, I had just uh, gone on a wonderful bike ride with my buddy Charles yeah. at the Elm Creek Park Reserve. Oh yeah. And there was a point where we're in mile 12. I'm like, Charles, do you know where we're, where the parking Amazing. lot is? Where are we going? And so, like, yeah, it was a long bike ride. And then we went to Heavy Rotation. Uh, they had an Oktoberfest. They had a Dark Mild. Oh, I love a Hellas, Dark Mild. And every single beer we had was really good. So I would say if you haven't been to Heavy Rotation, give them a try. Um, it's not like the type of thing where they've got, like, the same beers on all the time. So if you're a fan of variety, go there. If you're a fan of classic styles, go there. Um, Metronome in St. Paul is another good one. Um, they took over the space that was previously occupied by um, the one from Long Lake. What was it called? Uh, why am I blanking on the name? Oh, you, oh, you're talking about in this building right by like the Like right Stadium? across from the St. Stadium. Oh, I'm thinking of the other brewery that was there that was... What was the other brewery? No, not 12 Eyes. Are you thinking no, of 12 no. Eyes? No, no. There was one that closed before 12 Eyes. <sighs> hmm. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Somebody's yelling at their phone. This is the right wonderful... Um, why You're can't talking I think about of it? They, so, Heavy Rotation went into the space that shares a space with the restaurant and... Uh, or Metronome. Metronome. In, oh, my gosh. In, 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 like, right across from, like... Yeah, in Lower Town. What is it? Uh, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Shri not Shram. No, not Shram. It's... Um, yep, Birch. Birch's Birches, on the lake. yes, thank you. So, okay, we got so there. So you're saying that Metronome took over the Birch's on the Lake space, which yep. is right by the Saint Stadium. Right by the Saint Stadium. But don't... Do you remember there was a brewery that closed a few years ago that was even closer to, like, the Excel Center that was... Um, well, so you had no, it was Great Waters. Eyes. No. Oh, Stack Deck. Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, Stack, Stack Deck. Deck. So when you said that heavy rotate, when you said that Metronome went into the space where Birch's was, I was surprised because in my mind I was thinking about the space where Stack Deck was. Oh yeah. No, Stack Deck closed a year before. And there's not a brewery in there anymore. No. Okay. And there's not a new brewery in the 12 Eyes space, which is one well, of my there, favorites. So there's going to be. Okay. I really liked 12 Eyes, and I was sad for them that they closed. And it, there I was liked a lot it of. Too. I think parking was a challenge. Parking was a pain in the, the butt. The fact that they were like kind of on the garden level was a challenge, but their beer was always really yeah. good. I, was, I did, never had a problem with their beer. It was the first time since I'd been following the Minnesota beer scene that like a brewery closed not because their beer yes, was bad. Yes, yes. And like, wow. But they had they had their financial issues when, and this is public record, but like when they closed, they, they owed over a million dollars in I taxes. Know. I know. And there was a lot of, 
I, I knew a little bit about it, but it it's, was pretty tragic. Yeah. But I did not know that Metronome was in the Birches space. I was picturing them as further west, so that's interesting. Yeah. I need to get there. So here's the thing that I love about Metronome. There's a, there's several things I love about Metronome. Their, their beer is pretty solid. Okay. Their brewer, Kevin Welch. Right. And their owner, one of their owners, there's two owners. One of them is a amazing musician I heard who that. has music connections. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, yes. And one of the few breweries in the state of Minnesota that is owned, that is black owned. Okay. Metronome is? Metronome. Yep. One of the co-owners. That's so good to know. So, and their proceeds, a lot of their right. proceeds go to fund youth and music, youth and music, yep. Yep. and not just youth and music, but underrepresented youth and yes. music. So making making music more accessible. Div- and right, they have right. a lower a lower level Fingal's Cave where they're always having these amazing musical. Acts. I know. One of my, I, I'll plug a, a friend of mine, uh, George Dornbach. His band is called Fresh Milk and they played at Metronome several weeks ago and I wish I could have gone to the show but knowing that bands of really high caliber are playing in a in a really laid back nice brewery environment definitely makes me want to go. Wynton Marsalis was there. Really? Yes. When was that? <laughs> um, this was like a couple months ago. Wow. It was kind of like hush hush and okay. like because that was like through a connection, I heard that this place was opening, and I had emailed back and forth okay. with um, the owner, one of the co-owners, Bill, and he's like, yeah, for our opening, we're going to have a pretty big deal, okay. musical act. And then they they just opened. They didn't have, like, right. a grand opening. Right. They opened, and I went. I happened to go. This was towards the like, middle of end of February last year, um, and the beers were good. Yeah, um, I've been three times, and each time I've enjoyed what I've had. Yeah, I had. definitely want to check it out. That's that's good to know. It's a good place to keep your eyes on for like kind of an unexpected act like that, yeah. where you could go for a reason and bring bring your friends and well, enjoy and it, it. It's a it's a wonderful cause too. Yes, and and um, also fun fact, uh, Bill is a has encyclopedic knowledge of Lord of the Rings. Really? Yes, we got talking because he has a tattoo on his forearm. Okay. That's in Elven. Oh, so, you know, okay. that's pretty cool. Good to know. Um, so, Metronome is cool. Okay. Um, and then there's a couple places that I haven't been, but I've heard some good things yep. about is that you mentioned Mana Brewing yep. in Shakopee. So, that's pretty close proximity to Shakopee Brew it Hall, is. which I, I really like. I think it's just a little bit east of Shakopee Brew Hall, like, so like towards RAR. Yeah. Yep. And then they've got Badger Hill down there, so you can do a. Three and Badger for Hill's one. getting a new. Aren't they getting a new location? Oh, are they? Yeah, they're moving. I did not know that. I don't know if they're completely moving, but their tap room, I believe, is moving towards Canterbury Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, that'll be good. Yep. And then um, Sunken Ship in Princeton. Yeah, I've I heard, heard a couple of, people I say anything, but that's pretty good. Okay, all right. So I got to get out. They opened right around the time of uh, All Pints North. Oh, so, really? So since the summer. Yeah. And then, so the, like I said, I'm sure there's more breweries that have, that have opened the last year, but these were the ones that I were kind mm-hmm. of in the front of my mind. But, you know, if, if, hey, if you're listening to this and you have opened up a brewery in 2022. <laughs> Please tell us. Shout out. Get at me on Instagram and let me know because I'd love to come visit. Um, now let's let's. This is a little bit of a downer, but there there were also some breweries that closed. That's true. In We've, 2022. Yeah, and. Yeah. 
So uh, this, again, there might be more than this, but it was Tin Whiskers uh, in St. Paul, Paw Print in Chatfield, Abelseed House um, in Minneapolis, Rock Bottom in Minneapolis. And while they're not closing, they're kind of changing. A-Side Public House is going to be switching from a brew pub to just a restaurant. Um, It's a really cool place. They're in an old firehouse just a couple blocks off of West 7th. Yeah. But they just decided that the brewing wasn't going to be viable, which is unfortunate because I went there and the beers were decent. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And the the food is good. Huh. I'll have to check it out. I have not um, been. But, you know, I, I don't know. Of all those breweries... You know, Rock Bottom had kind of an interesting uh, role in mm-hmm. the history of craft beer in Minnesota. They've been around for a long time. Oh yeah, um, they'd had some some pretty uh, pretty big deal brewers kind of come through there. Yep. Um, and they have obviously multiple locations throughout the United States. So yeah, it's interesting and it's, to yeah, see. so they're they're in a lot of other cities. Uh-huh. So I wonder if it if because I know there's one in Denver. There's like yeah. all over the place. I wonder how those locations are doing. Right, right. Um, and the the paw print one in Chatfield, I heard that that was like a really cute little place. And I yeah, don't know what I happened there. Yeah, I know my friend there. Jim Stroner had been there, but I don't I don't think I'd ever had their beer. Okay, yeah. The the one for me that hurts is the Tin Whiskers. Yeah, I you really, were a big fan. I like that place. Um, they had some wonderful people that worked there. Um, and I feel like that from the... Early on, there were three owners, and two of the three owners really didn't do much. Really? And I feel I feel bad for the one owner who really had to like, yeah, go above and beyond. Yeah, because I think that again they didn't close because their beer was bad. Yeah. I think they closed because the one owner was having to shoulder too much of mm. the load and got burnt out. And I think that's really unfortunate because I think that they they had some wonderful beers. Um, the pandemic really didn't do them any favors uh, when when not a lot of people went back to work downtown St. Paul. I think they relied on a lot of that happy hour traffic. Yeah, and, and that might be true like of Rock that. Bottom too. Yeah, so I I, w- I was bummed uh, to see that they closed. Um, hmm. And I know one of my really good friends bought a pint. A mug club membership, Uh-oh. and uh, he he was he was really bummed. That's bummer. Within walking distance, yep. so Marcus, I'm, I share oh, your Marcus sadness. Did? Mar- oh, yeah, shoot. So, <laughs> but oh, uh, shoot. so you know, it just kind of. But you know, when when some close, I think that I think the misnomer for a lot of times when a brewery closes, especially after the pandemic, people think, well, it's because of the pandemic. No. Some of these places closed because they had other issues happening, right? Um, going on, but and you that know, probably will unfortunately continue to happen. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think. I mean, when some when some people close their doors, people start. Well, I think we've reached the saturation I point. Know. I'm like, we haven't yet. No, right? You know, we we've got. A, there's still some room. There's still quite a bit of room. I feel for growth because there's there's pockets of of even in the metro. You know, there's pockets oh, yeah. where there's, there's, there, we could use some more breweries. Yeah. 
Um, so I want to talk about like the last thing, and then we'll, then I want to ask you if there's anything you want to want to plug any new articles <laughs> that you're working on. Um, but we've got th- these are so three of the notable breweries that I know that are on track to open in 2023. Yeah, are Gambit Brewing in St. Paul, and they are moving into the old Twelve Eyes space. Okay, there we, we go. Talked about earlier. There we go. So Gambit talking about like being a little bit of a gamble there. Um, Who's like, behind it? Um, you know, it is somebody who has brewed in Wisconsin. I think Bobtown Brewing Company. Oh, yeah. So the brewer from there, that's okay. that's who's heading it up. Um, and I don't know anything about Bobtown. Oh, speaking of um, developments, do you have Oliphant on your list? Oh, I think we need so to talk I about just that. heard that they are moving into the Lynn Lake spot. Yeah. So Oliphant That's is taking over the Lynn Lake. A very spot. exciting and Oliphant, thing. for people who don't know, is in Somerset, Wisconsin. So just over the river from Stillwater, Minnesota. And um, it's a Dangerous Man alumnus uh, and his partner. Yeah. Um, and... And their beers are very good. Their beers are incredible. But what a different... Again, kind of like Dangerous Man. What a yeah. change of pace from being well, in kind of like a reverse. glorified garage yeah. to a massive two-story building with a rooftop patio in Lynn Lake, which is kind of like Uptown, Minneapolis. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I, I, I love their beer. I love Matt. I think it's going to be fantastic, but I, I am curious how that's going to translate. And yeah, I mean that. Cool. In a, I, I sincerely mean that. And then another one, uh, Bricksworth is moving into the old Darby spot in that's the true. North That's true. They're Loop. opening a second location because they're a brew pub, so yep. they can do that. Yep. Yeah. So, so, you know, like, you know, one door closes, another door opens for some <laughs> of these things. I think the the one takeaway that we can have is that, you know, Minnesota will continue to be an exciting place for craft beer yep. in 2023. Um, also, Hackamore Brewing is going to be opening up in Chanhassen. Yep. And then Paddlefish, Paddlefish in is St. going to be Peter, opening up I'm in St. Peter. That St. Peter does not have a brewery yet. Yeah. I mean, that, I mean big college town. Being between And being between Mankato and the Twin Cities, it's not that small of a town. I mean, I'm right. surprised they don't have a brewery. I'm a big fan of their um, Irish bar there, Patrick's. Okay. Um, I've been a longtime fan. And so I'm, I'm curious and I'm hopeful that Paddlefish will be high-quality beer. Yeah. Yeah, and like I said, I don't know anything about that. I got a little bit of information on Hackamore. I know that they, um, they have, I mean, at ABR, they had merch. So, like. Really? If you're. <laughs> if you're it's got if big you're, 612 I th- vibes. I think they, <laughs> well. T-shirts, I baby. Think, yeah. I think. I think it'll be better than six one two. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. It's a this is a unofficial a one bite stand hot take. <laughs> um, but I happened. I, I got. I think their their brewer has experience and has has brewed award winning beers at a previous location. Interesting. Um, and so and I, and I think it'll be good. It'll be good for Chanhassen. They already have Chanhassen Brewing, and I think um, you know I think. Oftentimes, you know, some competition is good. I know Chan Hassan has some good beers, and then sometimes they get some inconsistent beers too. Yes. But I think that may maybe push them, and that'll be good because I know I know Max is a very capable brewery yes. uh, brewer at at Chan Hassan. So that's kind of exciting for the the Southwest Metro. Yeah. Um, and I don't know anything about paddlefish. I don't either. Um, so that'll be cool. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's 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 things to look forward to. Um, in 2023. So Paige, I know uh, we've mentioned this earlier in the show, but Paige is a wonderful beer writer. 
anything you want to talk about that you're working on? Or Thanks, yeah. I just... Do you um, have any irons in the fire? Oh, my gosh. Well, my iron that had been in the fire for most of the last year finally came out of the fire the day before Thanksgiving, which was a piece I wrote um, for Good Beer Hunting about Sean Sherman and indigenous foodways and what native food... Um, means to food culture as a whole and also tied it in a little bit with beverage. And on a related note, I'm in a few weeks, I'm going to be going up to visit the first native-owned distillery, or at least to everyone's knowledge, the first modern native-owned distillery in the United States, which is um, Copper Crow. And they're in Bayfield, Wisconsin, so I'm visiting them at the end of the month to learn a little bit more about um, what they're distilling, what they're working on, Uh, They have not only an interesting story in terms of being native-owned and being on private land, but kind of adjacent uh, uh, to a reservation, but also the fact that they distill their uh, one of their house vodkas and house gin from whey, which is a cool story. So the owner uh, was at a conference out west and was approached by one of the people teaching at the conference and said, hey, you're from Wisconsin, and you should consider using products that are readily available to you, which would include byproducts of the dairy industry. Yeah. And so I want to little, learn a little bit more about how um, Kurt Messina is the owner and his daughter attended UW Stout and found some folks there that helped them perfect their process of distilling whey, which is, you know, the liquid byproduct of making cheese into gin and vodka. And I think that's fascinating. So I'm really looking oh. forward to meeting with him. But that's more of a long game thing. We'll see what the story is. You know, I don't want to predetermine what 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 direction I want to go in, but I think it's fascinating. So. Awesome. That's yeah. exciting. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm really happy that you had time today to sit yeah. down and talk beer on this uh, Sunday Sunday fun day Thanks for having here at the me. town hall. Yeah. So I think we'll wrap it up. So this has been another episode of a one pint stand. And uh, we're so happy that uh, we continue to yes. have a wonderful friendship and a wonderful, we, we get to write and talk yeah. about this Minnesota craft beer scene. So very exciting. Thank you for joining us and thank you all for listening. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>this brings us to the close of what I am going to categorize as a humdinger of an episode thanks to Paige and her all-encompassing wealth of beer knowledge and absolute charm. I cannot think of a better way to kick off this year's podcast. Now, coming up on our shows, you're going to hear a Lupulin Brewing Company Big Beer Week preview, a wonderful beer chat with several local brewers, who, where we're going to sit back and kind of do a, not necessarily a state of the union, but a freeform beer conversation. I think it's always uh, interesting to hear the take of those with their, literally their hands in the grain. Um, so that's, that's going to be fun. And I'm really excited to debut a different kind of a podcast uh, show that I am going to be calling a one pint stand storytellers. Stay tuned for that. I think you're really going to like it. So there's a lot to look forward to in the next few months. Again, uh, if you are just new to the podcast and you want to keep tabs on everything we're doing, follow us on social media. All of the, the podcast episodes and my written content can be found on a onepintstand.com. 
And I, again, I want to thank you. I can't thank you enough for giving our show a listen. I truly appreciate it. So this has been another episode of A One Pint Stand, a Minnesota craft beer podcast where the pants stay on, but the caps come off. Cheers. I tried some of the beers at ABR, and they were okay. I didn't know they were at ABR. They weren't bad. Did you have to pour your own at ABR? (laughs) They're like, sir, you come back here. We're going to take five. (laughs) 